wondered what it's like, um, why we come to church on a Sunday, or for that matter, some people come to church on a Saturday. Has anybody ever wondered that? Why did God want us to come to church on a Sunday? I know you're probably getting a bit distracted with all of this, but have you ever thought of it? I have. No, nobody, nobody else has ever wondered why we have to come to church. No one. No one's wondered it. I find that amazing. You have. Oh, good. There's, oh, there's a couple more. God. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that questions things. Maybe I question too much. I don't know. But I, I suppose I just don't take things in the Bible and go, okay, that's it. That's, I just do that legalistically. Not at all. I've got to work it through inside me. And so one of the things that always puzzled me was, well, why do we come to church? And I've noticed that it's the fourth commandment that you honour the Lord your God, okay, and that make the Sabbath the day holy. Make the Sabbath day holy. The fourth commandment, make the Sabbath day holy. Why have we got to honour God on the Sabbath day by going to church? What is this holy on Sabbath? In, in other words, my head was going round and round in circles with all of these different things. It's like, what's that all about? And, you know, it's been doing that for quite some time. I've had little bits of revelation on it. You might be sitting there knowing the whole thing. Well, that's great. <laughs> you can probably tell me some things. That's great. But I didn't know. I didn't have the full picture. Why? Just why? And so I'm going to read something to you because the, the interesting thing is that in Exodus, before the reading that was on here this morning, God had just told them about the Sabbath day just told them about the Sabbath day. And then they go out in the next sentence in Exodus and make this golden calf. So hang on, they didn't get it either. So I didn't find, feel I was quite so stupid anyhow. If, I, if they didn't get it way back then, and you know, maybe I'm still not getting it now. But hopefully we're going to be able to understand a little bit more today about what the Sabbath is all about. Why do we have the Sabbath? And the re I'm going to read some scriptures to you. And the reason is that we're told not then, when we understand it, not to harden our hearts. Let me read some scriptures to you first. We don't need too many microphones, do we? All on at once. I'm going to go over to, so that scripture that um, is about the Sabbath is in act, actually in Exodus, and it's in, oops, can't open any of these here. It's in Exodus 31, and it starts at verse 12. I'm not going to read it, but it's all about the Sabbaths. What I am going to read, though, is up here in Hebrews. And I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. 
So this is a warning, and then we'll pull all these bits together. Okay, so at the moment, they probably don't, what I'm saying is a bit uh, disjointed, but we'll pull it all together. In verse 7, it says, So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, that's God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, that rebellion is part of what was going on when they were in the Exodus, when, when we hear about it in Exodus, when they came out of Egypt and they're wandering around in that wilderness and they're complaining to God. So part and parcel of that reading in Exodus this morning is about them being in rebellion to God and hardening their hearts. So during that time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. So in other words, they saw the works of God. They heard God. They actually heard God speak. The whole nation heard God speak. And yet they still went ahead and made a golden calf. They still went ahead and complained. That's why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. Well, I guess that's a little bit like me. I've really not known what this Sabbath thing is about. So I declared, this is God speaking, on oath in my anger, they shall never enter into my rest. Well, that sounds a little bit mean to me. God seems like a mean God saying, well, you can't enter into my rest. But hang on a minute. I think what it's about is more about by default. That if you do that, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to have this. Not because I don't want you to have it, but because it's just not going to be available to you. There's things that you've got to do first that make it so that you can have these things available to you. When we turn it around like that, it's a little bit more interesting. Well, it is for me anyhow. It shows me that God cares a little bit about me. And maybe not a little bit, but maybe a lot about me. Then when we flip over further into Hebrews 4, so we're in Hebrews 3 there, and we're going to go now to Hebrews 4, and it's reiterated. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Okay, confusion. Okay, so the Old Testament, they've been told they can't enter into his rest unless in the New Testament here after Jesus we're being told that we can possibly enter into this rest. So what is this rest? What is this rest? But you've got to be careful not to fall short of it. It's still there. And then it goes on further. Because those who heard did not combine it with faith. That's the ones in the Old Testament. They did not combine this with faith. Now we who have believed enter this rest. Just as God has said. Okay, so we as the believers can enter this rest. And in verse 6, it still remains that some 
will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. All right. Sounds pretty heavy. But in here, we've got the answer to what's going on. So what's the meaning of Sabbath? You know, in other words, you're probably wondering what I'm... We've been talking about rest and we've been talking about Sabbath. The two are meant to be the same. It's a Sabbath rest. What happened was God created the world, as we're told in Genesis, in six days and then on the seventh day God rested. And so, to rest, we're meant to rest so that we can hear God. Now I'll explain why in a minute. And not just from the Bible, but more intimately, personally for you. So we come here on a Sunday and we rest so that we can hear from God. That's, that's one way of looking at it. That's a, a simplistic way of looking at it. And that's great. And we do hear from God. We read the scriptures and we have somebody speak to us and we sing songs and we, we bless God. But it's meant to be more intimate than that. And there are two ways, really, of looking at it. We can look at it superficially, legalistically, and just logically. Superficially, I suppose, is really the way that we often look at it. Okay, so we come superficially and think of it just as, okay, this is Sunday, we put it aside. But then there's another way of looking at it that goes far deeper. And I'm wanting to get to that far deeper bit for you today. Why? Because I believe that most of you here, and probably all of you, have got a degree of spirituality already, whatever that might be, to whatever level. You've been taught about Christianity for years, possibly. And in that teaching, you may only have ever been taught that first part. But guess what? There's so much more to our scriptures. And I'm excited about the more. I've always been excited about the more. And I see our scriptures as layer upon, you know that Sarah Lee thing? Layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And it just goes, and you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. So we're going to look at it a little bit deeper this morning. So you can, legalistically, you can stop work. That's what the Jews were meant to do. Stop working. That word, melaka is their word for this type of work that they're talking about, that you're meant to stop. Where we are the creator for six days. For six days, we create what we do. We go to work, we create. We go to school, we create. We do the things that we're meant to do. And we create. We, we order our life. We get our life in the way that we want it. And so we create our life. And on the seventh day, we're meant to stop and let God recreate us. Now that's superficially, but that's going even a little bit deeper than probably what some of you may have already been taught. We're meant to let God recreate our lives. So that way they were freed from the concern as the Israelites were freed from Egypt. Freed from the concerns. And you know in those days it was even a radical idea because who rests, especially not poor people? 
on a day, one day, one day out of every seven? You guys have got to be stupid. Why would you do that? Why don't you just keep going? No, it was mandated from God. And so all of the other nations in those days would look on and go, these guys are a bit loopy, they're a bit strange. They thought rest was only for wealthy people. So the second way of doing it, as I've already said, is spiritually. And this is seen by the Israelites as a cosmic wedding. Woohoo! <laughs> this is pretty amazing. I think it is anyhow. Because Shabbat then, or Sabbath, or the rest day, is meant to be the bride. Now, you would have heard lots of things spoken in the Bible. There's, there's, that word bride is used often. We are the bride of Christ, the believers. We're the bride of Christ. But this is what was going on in the Old Testament. This is the Jewish way. Why am I saying it about the Jewish way? Because in Hebrews, when we're, when we're taught about the rest, it's actually written to the Hebrews. It's written to people who understand what I'm going to be telling you today. Stuff that we don't necessarily naturally understand because it comes from their culture and their, their ways. It's some of the stuff that was unspoken. Not all the things that were written necessarily down. Although we can find a lot of it written down. So it was a cosmic wedding. Cosmic meaning, not cosmic, I guess, in the way that we think of the word cosmic today. This is a Kabbalistic term. And what it was meaning was more it involves the whole of the universe. Or, not even the universe, the universes, perhaps, as, as some of the scientists are telling us today, there are, there are possibly universes. The whole of creation, in other words, is that cosmic wedding. And we are the bride. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, therefore, if we're going to be celebrating as the Israelites saw the Sabbath as being, our Sabbath, our day of, of rest or recreation, we come into union with God. Union of God and creation. Now, you can look at this from the macrocosm, in other words, the big picture, or you can look at it the small picture. You can look at it as the body of Christ and creation and God, so we can be the bride corporately, but we can also be the bride individually. So that's the macrocosm, the smaller way of looking at it. And then we can also then come into union with God. Wow, that is powerful. So let's look a little bit more at that. We're told by the ancient Israelites, that we're given... This is, a, this is a bit more like a teaching today, so I hope you can follow through with this and put up with it. We're told that it's, we're given an extra measure of soul on this day. Now, the neshama yatera, that's an extra measure of soul. In other words, our spirit, our soul, is grown... It's developed, it becomes more powerful, it's an extra measure, more depth to it, more guts to it, bigger, fuller, 
That's amazing. So if they expected this under the old covenant, what are we supposed to be expecting under the new covenant? For six days, you are the creator, as I said before, but on the Sabbath day, God allows or wants us, is allowed to recreate you. He wants to recreate us. Jews bathe and prepare themselves before they hear from God. Well, say hear from God because that's what the Sabbath's about. They bathe and prepare themselves. Mount Sinai, before the Ten Commandments Commandments were given, Moses said to the people, go and prepare yourself. Go and get yourselves washed and cleaned and in the right frame of mind and then come and you will hear God. And they did. They heard God, but they got scared. They were terrified. And they came and said to Moses, hey, we don't want to hear this God. This God is too terrible. You know, it's, it's frightening us. Can you create some people that can, you can find out from, from God what God wants and then you can come and tell us. It's all a bit too scary. Well, I don't know about you, but you might find that part of you is going, whoa, this is all a little bit scary. It's all a little bit too spiritual. It's all a little bit too deep. I don't know if I want to go there. And if that's you, just recognise that that's what's happening inside you. It's the same as what has happened for centuries to, to people. God challenges us, though. God challenges us to come into a greater union with him, to get to know him, to hear his voice personally and corporately, of course, but personally as well. So it's not going to, this challenge is not going to disappear. This challenge is always going to be there. Why? Because God created us to be able to receive him. God says, I want you to hear me. That's why I'm giving you this Sabbath rest. I'm giving it to you so that I can recreate you, so that I can speak to you, so that I can be your God, so that I can come into union with you. Now, if you're game and you're, you're and game, I'll, I'll make it because it does take a lot of guts to do this. It's not... It's it's not for the faint-hearted. It's another reason why in 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 the sixth day, um, the Psalms that they read on the Sabbath in the Jewish synagogue still to this day, one of those is from the Song of Songs. Now, those of you that are here may know already that that's usually an allegory for the union of God and man. The man taking his bride. So it's also at the end of, of the end of exile and loneliness. So when we come into union with God, we have that partner. So some of you may be single here and you will understand what I'm, what I'm saying or what God is saying. There's a loneliness in that. There's something sometimes... Unless you choose that for yourself, there's something missing. And for those of you who are in marriages and relationships, you would know also that there's a comfort in that. There's the, the, it excludes the loneliness. 
And then some of you, unfortunately, who may have lost your partners, would know then again that loneliness. But God is saying, I don't want you to ever be lonely. I want to have this union with you. Shabbat comes veiled. The Bible talks and Paul talks about it in some of his, some of his uh, writings. The veil that's over our face that we can't see. Well, those psalms are like six veils and each one is revealed, reveals something deeper, reveals something deeper again so we get closer and closer and closer until the last, the sixth one is, is gone and all that's there is us in all our fragility bare in front of God ready for union with God. They have two candles that they light when they, on Shabbat. And they both represent, those, those candles represent, uh, one is the Shekinah consciousness. That Shekinah is the Shekinah glory, the power of God that's seen in the Old Testament when God sort of appears and there's this glowing sometimes. That's part of the Shekinah glory. And so that one candle, is that represents that Shekinah, the nurturing spirit through you, filling you daily with compassion and connection. That's for six days. So God is with you six days. We're not saying God is not there. They didn't say God is not there for the six days. They just said it, God was there, but sort of inside. And we get a little bit stale after a while, after the six days. And this Shekinah glory sometimes I guess, gets a little bit less than what it could be. Then the other candle represents this Kodesh Barush Hu consciousness, which is a different sort of consciousness or a different type of aspect of God. There are various names for God, and this is a different name. And that part of you, which is the part of the eternal flow of God, now that's the bit that is sort of meant to be in union. So we've got these two candles representing what's going on as well. So then we have... Union, when the two come together. We embody the Shekinah as the queen and progress towards God as the king. Now, they march down the aisle to this. They come down the aisle and they then have the, the ark that they open here. So it's like a marriage ceremony. Every Shabbat, every Sabbath on the, the sixth or well, the seventh day, but which is Saturday to us, and they come into union, theoretically, with God. So we, as the queen, as the bride, are meant to come into that union. We wait for it. Then we become the womb to be able to, for the neshama yatara, which is that extra measure of God. Now, it's speaking metaphorically, of course, but it's speaking truth. So any of you who have gone a little bit into the depth of God would understand that this is the foundation of our Sabbath rest. This is what God taught 
the ancient Israelites. So that when those Israelites or those Jewish people read Hebrews, when, when that was written and, and then read out to them, they understood all of this from, from what those simple scriptures were there. Much more than what we understand, unfortunately. We are ignorant of most of this stuff. I won't go on too much longer. Is it still applicable today to us? Yes, it is. Remember we just read, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's what Hebrews is affirming. You have opportunity for this Sabbath type rest, this type of Sabbath rest. How can you enter it? By not doing any melaka work. In other words, don't do any work where you are the creator. That's going to help you. It's not a mandate because we're not by the law, but it's certainly going to help you. In other words, don't go and try and do business stuff. Don't go onto your computer and try and do all of that sort of thing and think through the things that you're supposed to be doing on those other six days. Don't stress yourself over the things that you haven't done that you've still got to do when you go back to work. That's all that malaka work. Don't do that. And by listening for God's voice. So giving yourself the time out, time out for that six days to actually listen. What are you telling me, God? What is it that you want to talk to me about? What would you like me to know? And by allowing ourselves to come into that union with the Holy Spirit. So that's there for us today. Is there a Sabbath rest for us? Yes, there is. Why are we here? On the Sabbath, because God wants to fill us up again, bring us into union with him as the bride of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of the universes, of the whole of creation, it's hard for our minds to get round what you want for us, that you want such intimacy for us, that you want to know us so well that you want to be one with us. Help us this morning to come to a better knowledge of your love and your caring and your depth. We open our hearts now. Our hearts are not hard. We soften our hearts to you as best we can and ask that you come in, make a home inside us to grow our spirit, to grow our soul, to speak with us intimately 
so that no longer will we be lonely. We will be filled with your spirit presence. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Refresh us, recreate us, and make us new. Amen. 